Hi, my name is Katie Martins, and I'm joined with your co-host, with my co-host, Elena. Hi, my name is Elena. My name is Elena. I am Hunter's girlfriend. <laughs> and we are here to, to present to you. We don't have our, it's not, it's not happening yet. <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. Uh, sorry, it's four people. Four people. There's four people in the room right now. And honestly, well, no, I just mean like the episode is four yeah, people yeah, and two of them are not as invested in <laughs> Twilight Imperium. Making it happen. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I say two of them. I, I, I should be fair. Katie is here ready to go. She, that, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is... We're we're putting out this. We've had this uh, in the back burner. Uh, We've this had this in our back Fireside pocket. chat with Billy. Interview with the, I would say, probably of all the Twilight Imperium people, uh-huh. there's only one kind of capital I influencer, <laughs> you know, and that's, and that's, that's Billy. my man, Billy, <laughs> my Bill boy. <laughs> So uh, we're going to try to do a recording of this Partners in TI thing. We're still trying to make it happen this week. Uh, ideally, it'll come out later this week. If it doesn't, it'll be... The Yin Guide. Like next week's episode, and this week will be a Yin Guide. Yes, yes. Um, so just, you know, kind of, hey, play with us. I know a lot of you are looking forward to this episode more than either of our partners are. Yep. Um, <laughs> but it's coming, and uh, it, it will be fun, but we're just trying to make... The, the timing is... Or the, the, yeah, the ability for us to make it happen has been a bit more difficult. It's been difficult, yeah. Let's do a little bit of rundown before we get to Alex's conversation with Billy, though. With Billy, with with the bill with the, the bill mo- boy the, mo- the person that's really changed the game more than anybody <laughs> What's i love going calling on? him a capital i influencer that is like that that's makes me thing. feel good yeah um there's only one i and billy <laughs> and it's for influencer, <laughs> it's for influencer. <laughs> big influencer <laughs> um yeah so anyways we already did our hundred dollars and fan club game for the month yeah um, everybody loved it and we all kept our cool. Um, <laughs> next, uh, Hunter did not make eye contact with me when he said that. <laughs> so next, um, oh, I forgot to put up the, here's just weird. I forgot to put up the galactic council second round poll last week. <laughs> I think it's because I, we recorded it here. Yeah. We, we recorded in the same room and that messed up my, he wasn't in the hunter zone. Thing. Yeah. And honestly, my last week, the was chamber complete, of danger. Yeah. Complete. <laughs> Yeah, all over the place. Um, I'm uh, starting comedy class. I'm teaching comedy on Wednesday, my first class, and I had to get everything together last minute. Gross. Um, and it's been rough. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's cool. I'm excited about it. Anyways, so you will have the actual um, poll out. Here are your two choices. This is your September Galactic Council episode. Uh, you can either do a POK reveal update where we talk about everything that's been announced and discuss everything further. This will be like kind of an, an analysis episode. Um, and then the second one is expansion wishlist epilogue. This is a slightly different idea where we go back to our wishlist episodes from a while back and we talk about how it compares to what we are getting yep. with the POK expansion. Yeah. Um, ooh, twi- our Twitch schedule is pretty interesting this week. It is weird, huh? <laughs> um, so we, we're going to be doing a podcast that we did together a while back called Spec Script again. Yes. Um, Spec Script, if you don't know, is a comedy show where somebody writes an episode of a TV show they've never seen. Last time we did The Lone Ranger, <laughs> and this time I'm writing a, um, episode of The Witcher TV show that Which I've never seen. Which is kind of not fair, because you have played a Witcher video game. I've played game. Witcher games. I asked the dude, I said is that okay uh-huh. and because he said what do you want to do and i was like i want it to be like a fantasy thing uh-huh. so whatever you got like that yeah and because it was kind of genre that's how i you know that's that's how i do it yeah um i kind of already have stuff written and we're just gonna match it to that right. you know i don't want to write anything new that's not fun <laughs> um but yeah so it's a fun show um, it's at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I didn't know that. That's what I have in my thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's earlier than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, so that's 3 p.m. Uh, Central. You've already translated it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and as for Root, I know last time I said I was going to do it on Sunday and I didn't even do it, which I think is telling for um, this. I'm going to uh, do switch back to Thursdays. Okay. So I'll be doing <laughs> Thursday Roots. Um, I'm going to shoot for noon game and uh, 6 p.m. game. So an afternoon and a, and a late game. Okay. Um, and on the YouTube this week, uh, we're going to put up 
uh, the Nuzlocke game that we just played. That was very uh, tame and good and cool. And tame I don't. And, good. and I expect no comments about my attitude it's because definitely of not, how palatable it was. Yeah, it's definitely not sort of. Had there been a chair, I think I'm never playing Twilight Imperium again. I think yeah, that's, that's the only solution to this. Is now I'm just a, I will be a commentator only. Uh, yeah. I'm just gonna let you. I'm gonna invite you all into my home to play Twilight Imperium, and I'm gonna sit in this room adjacent to the room you all play in. Right. And I'm just gonna control all the camera angles and watch you all play from now on. That's my new job. I mean, I do think watcher. you like that a lot. I actually greatly prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a fun game. Um, and if you like the holiday spectacular, I think yeah. you'll dig it. But it has the vibe of Matt's n- not being cool. Um, mm-hmm. Not as bad, but. Whatever. I mean, you kind of hit the classics a little bit. Sure. You, there is a part where you do slam your head on the table. I'm pretty sure you do. No, that I didn't yet. slam my head on the table. I walked away from you all, and you probably hear me punch the wall. Oh. Okay. Anyways, I don't. So wanna, you have improved. I don't want to. Re- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't want to relitigate. Let's do fun stuff. First okay. off, you can you know find us at uh, spacecatspeacetrolls.com to find our Patreon and all of the Discord Everything. and Twitters and all of that. You can rate us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. But we got to do the stuff that you actually tune in for every Tuesday at this point. There's actually right. only like these two reasons that people tune into the show now. I mean, yeah, there's people that like the show, I guess. But right. we need to put up with the show. We're gonna like we're it. gonna do this at the top of the episode since we're gonna be cutting. Reese said it to something Alec. funny the other day. He said, uh, <laughs> "Wouldn't it be cool if there was an episode where s- some people that were good at the game." <laughs> hosted it and he didn't even mean it as a joke he wasn't even trying to be mean yeah and he was just but it like was, it, hurt. It, just, it was just kind of a real request it was from the him. absolute worst timing he could have told <laughs> yeah, that joke yeah, that too. was pretty funny um let's talk about some uh prophecy of king spoilers let's start with ooh, uh let's do an objective yeah we've, we've got an objective here from dane uh he just posted some stuff on twitter yesterday that is pretty cool um but we've got a stage two objective here called command and armada it is a status phase stage two so like a normal stage two objective but it the two points that it will get you comes from have eight or more non-fighter ships in one system so this is one step for what i love about this is you could have done like have eight in command in your fleet supply right just yeah. have eight command counters right. in your fleet supply but this is also like oh no also put them all in one stack yeah put a fat stack this is like sar just gets this sar right. just does yeah. this yeah kind of in the, the natural way to, Necro way to just hate does on this. it i just i'm meeting no, it for but the first I'm, time and you already sucked all the juice out of it with <laughs> sar gets this automatically it's like oh, man. this is a barony one this is points for barony but everybody else is gonna be having to really push for it but that's really what i like hard. about it though is it is still certainly scorable it's one of those ones where it comes up and then you see the player take everything out of tactics and strategy oh sure yeah yeah and you know the next round it's like all right i'm putting a a, just a huge stack on my home system it's kind of like if the lead from the front and galvanize the people objectives were cool because they're not (laughs) cool right but this is like a cool version of that do something with command tokens that doesn't just burn them away yeah yeah i I dig it quite a bit yeah uh the next thing we've got is a barony of letnev spoiler i feel like uh there's been kind of a lack of it's really l1 z1x and barony and asarl that i feel like have the the lack of stuff out there so Mm -hmm. i'm excited to do a barony thing we've got the barony agent who is known as Viscount Unlin, the Dunlane Scourge. Mm -hmm. And his ability is, at the start of a space combat round, you may exhaust this card to choose one ship in the active system. That ship rolls one additional die during this combat round. Wow. Okay. What's your first reaction to that? That's pretty cool. It's pretty I mean, cool. It's, Here's what I like about it. It's it isn't crazy powerful. Mm-hmm. It's one extra roll. That's not bad. In some cases, that can be great. I mean, a dreadnought. You know, it's an extra roll on a, on like a five or whatever. But I I do think Barony will be able to look at rounds and be like, I'm not gonna do this this round. I can definitely sell this though. Yeah. And Barony could stand to have some stuff that's sellable. Some of these agents are like, ah, I'm keeping that for me every right. round actually. Right. But this one is very much sellable. Um, there there could be a big close combat where someone really could stand to have their dreadnought or cruiser or something roll an extra roll so i am excited to see if barony can can sell this a decent amount yeah compared to just using it for themselves i i mean i'll 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 say this not to get too much into analysis this is one of those ones where i almost find it impossible to know for sure Mm -hmm. whether this is going to get a lot of use or not right i will say 
what this stacks with morale boost. That's kind of interesting, yeah. right? Like you yeah. play, a, you see someone play a morale boost, and you're like, "Hey, yeah. want a double or nothing?" Or so, that's <laughs> right. how I would say it. Yeah, yeah, that's not what you're doing at all. But <laughs> it's quite. It does have a percentage it's, it's, to it's it that's quite not, not double. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite not that, but uh, that would still be fun to say. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, that's a good point. Of if someone is really, I mean, you'll be able to look. You'll be able to look at the table and know when a combat is like. Like, you're going to go into combats, even if you have a round where you're like, I know I'm doing a combat this round, and you might still be like, yeah, but I don't need Viscount Unlun, and I could make two trade goods off of them instead, or whatever. Or a trade good. I feel like this is like a a trade good kind of thing. Yeah, Because it's, you know, I mean, it's funny, because I actually feel like you're kind of being outside of your role that you play in the Uh show, uh this doesn't for sure get you something. So you should kind of hate it. This is sort of like a, um, this is a plague you know yeah kind well of, it's kind of interesting too though because we do i mean we do have omega war funding yeah which is extra re-rolls so you could stack them up you could give a war funding that's cool an extra die get x ex- then re-roll all those dice that you rolled an extra one up there's kind of some that's there's like a cool, new tradey barony that feels like is kind of percolating i actually think that is a pretty cool combo there yeah. of this count plus war funding right. equals that's good that could be of... three or four i mean the, the new promissory note is very good and worth quite a bit yeah and add an extra die in there and it's just kind of like some icing on the cake so very into it uh but that's that's all we've got for for our portion of this week's episode we are gonna be sending it over to alec but stay tuned for the rest of this week uh maybe something like saturday or so should be when we release um you know our our episode for the week yes. and again it's either partners in ti get hype or uh the yin the yin guide or the yin guide yeah or just like a yin guide did the what happened to the hype i felt like yeah, the hype it just really fell off yeah but do you know what's cool about this show right now is we've still maintained the kind of like hour plus length mm-hmm. but the good part of the show now is about two minutes and it's right at the end <laughs> so that's pretty cool that's a good you gotta listen all the way to the end, or you gotta mash that skip. Button. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? You're 30 just seconds, thirty seconds, thirty seconds, thirty seconds, thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> takes it takes thirty minutes. Mash to your get skips, it. y'all. Welcome to Space Cat, Space Cat's Peace Turtles, or as you know it as Space Turtles. <laughs> Welcome to Space Cat's Peace Turtles Fireside Chats. Myself and a guest from the SCPT community will discuss Twilight Imperium board gaming and strategy. Grab your favorite drink in a Snuggie and settle in. I'm your host, Alec Keeler. Let's get started. So I guess we can get started. The very first question is, who are you? Tell us Hi. who you are. Hi, I'm Billy. Everyone knows me because I talk way too much in the Space Cats uh, Discord. And usually it's all about trolling. Well, that's, yeah, I'm Billy. That's, a, that's a <laughs> reputation to have. All right. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I don't. That's what I do. I think of all the people on those discords, I, I don't really associate you as one of the trolls. That's fair. I don't really go onto the TTS one very often because I don't like pings, and I get pinged all the time on it. And my trolling isn't very good. <laughs> Is any trolling really any good? I don't know. Ask Yin for life. He seems to be a pretty successful troll on that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, all right, we're gonna jump straight into some questions to kind of help people get to know what sort of gamer you are. That works. <clears throat> Question number one, Billy: What is your favorite board game that is not Twilight Imperium, and why? Okay, so I'm gonna give you three because I'm very difficult. Um, cool. But they each have a different reason why, and like they each like. Okay, so for instance, one of them is Spirit Island. Spirit Island is my favorite non-competitive game. Uh, I love the way the mechanics work in it, plus the theme of being this ancient primordial elemental spirit that just goes around and destroys 18th century, 16th century, whatever, I don't remember what year it is. Um, Colonial forces just really does something to me. Plus, the way the game is built is just mind-blowingly good to me it is but it i does have a really good theme i, I like it does. I like that about spirit island a lot and it's and like the theme goes into everything including like the components like if it's good 
it's wood. If it's bad, it's plastic. So like <laughs> even it even has that like nature versus versus like humanity feel to it, where humanity is coming just to destroy everything, and we're nature fighting back for it. That's really cool to um, know. I, I think I've only ever actually played that game on TTS. I don't think I've played yeah. in person. Yeah. So if you've like never actually touched the components to it, like everything that is good being wood, you never know until like you see the real copy of the game and you're like, oh my god, they put so much thought into this. It's just mind blowing. Um, otherwise, my other two favorite games that aren't Twilight Imperium, like I love engine builders, but I'm not very good at them. So I like engine builders like scythe where it's not just an engine builder you have to actually like take over land too um sure. and i've been really into root recently because i love asymmetrical games um then also uh si ti scythe are slightly asymmetrical as well too but i've been on a huge root kick recently that's probably the answer to your question yeah i i've always really enjoyed engine builders and like card games like <laughs> terraforming mars and and wingspan yeah. recently and i'm also uh, not very good at them i think it's just because i don't care quite enough to like sit there and think through absolutely everything like i just want to yeah. play and like build a fun engine and and make it do cool fun things and i don't oh exactly and that's like the fun part of engine builders is hey i can make something that couldn't do anything two turns ago do whatever i want if i just put some thought into it yeah, yeah. Uh, Plus, I also remember the time that you taught me terraforming Mars and beat me by one point, and it makes me infuriated. <laughs> and I would just like to win a game against you in terraforming Mars now. I, I have two good friends back in Madison that I taught terraforming Mars, and they're very good at those kind of like point salady engine building type games. Like they they have no compunction against sitting there for a while and getting every last possible point out of every action and i i lost to them the first time we played even though i had just taught them the game like they just mm -hmm. destroyed me and i was like whatever yeah. it was still fun i still got to play the cards that i wanted to play and it was you know did fun things that's, oh, of course that's and mattered. that's yeah that's half that's half the fun with engine builders is yeah i lost but i got to create this cool thing and do stuff so i guess i still won in the long run right exactly exactly having fun is the real goal <laughs> in most games in ti it is not the goal in ti it is to crush your opposition as much as humanly possible we could maybe fill an entire hour about that topic alone yes but, we could. <laughs> uh, i i'm i'm pretty sick of it personally so we're gonna leave that one alone <laughs> yeah exactly i get that <laughs> um next question billy is what attracts you the most to the board gaming hobby so I've been a video gamer pretty much since the time that I can remember being able to hold a controller. I, the only memory I have of being three is owning a Super Nintendo system and playing games like um, Super Mario World, Legend of Zelda of the Past, things like that. Um, but that doesn't really stimulate thought to me. Like Most of the games I play are just story-based games. I don't have to think really to get into them. Sure. It's just there to take me through a story and pass time. Board gaming makes me think. Now, do I think most of the time in board games? No, half the time I'm playing on autopilot. It's just, oh, that's why I lost, because I was being dumb. <laughs> but the theory's there that, hey, I could think and actually do well in this, and that's why I love board gaming, because I needed something to stimulate my mind in that sure yeah and i think twilight imperium is kind of at, at the apex of games like that not just oh strategy wise but in terms of how many things you have to keep track of how many things there are to know and like like you really can't just pay attention to your own stuff going on you really have to watch everybody else very closely and oh, plus exactly. there are ten thousand complicated rules that have weird little caveats <laughs> all the time Oh, yeah, because let's make it as hard as humanly possible sometimes to understand what's supposed to happen. Plus, like, the number of times that I can think of, oh, that's why I lost, or, oh, yeah, I could have done that in TI, just, yeah, too many times. 
so if you had to somehow categorize yourself as a player, what kind of player would you say you are? So I would like to think that I'm a negotiator. That is really generous to my negotiating abilities, but that's the type of player that I strive to be. Um, for those who don't know, even though I say it literally all the time, my favorite TI faction, without a doubt, is the Emirates of Akan. I'm a banker by trade. I love economics. I love finance. That's one of the things that really like interests me outside of the board gaming mm-hmm. sphere. And I love thinking that I can control the entire galaxy's economy because I happen to be this rich space cat. That would involve me being able to negotiate correctly sometimes, and sometimes I just make some really stupid deals. <laughs> uh, but so I want to ask you, kind of uh, as a tangent to that, do you? I don't. I don't remember. Do you play bunch TI in person, or have, have most of your TI games just been online? Um, so I have a small group of friends who play TI in person. Um, with them, I have lost exactly one game out of like ten. So I'm not allowed to play certain races anymore. The one major one being the Emirates of Akan. Sure. Um, but most of my games have come from TI. I think like of maybe like the 40 games I've played, it's probably 30 of them are um, TTS at this point. Mm-hmm. But so, uh, that also counts that... I apologize, I keep cutting you off as well. No, no, that's, um, that's all right. It's hard to do interviews <laughs> when you can't oh, yeah. see each other's faces. Exactly. <laughs> Um, part of that, though, was the week I got my wisdom teeth out, where even without being able to talk, I still played five games. Because it was either that or sleep, and I'm not going to sleep if I can play TI. Oh, man. I remember getting my wisdom teeth taken out. It wasn't even that long ago. I yeah. I waited quite a while before that happened, and I was not in any shape to play Twilight Imperium. Yeah. I don't know how I did it. <laughs> and, like, I tell this, one of I work with one of the people in my TI group. And I came back from the surgery, I think it was like almost two years ago at this point. And he's like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, I played five games of TI. And he just looks at me like, please tell me you didn't get your wisdom teeth out just so you could play TI and get paid to do it. <laughs> and I had to slightly stop because I'm like, oh, I didn't do it on purpose, but I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't enjoy it. So how much of a difference is there in like the trade meta and the economy between your in-person group and the general TTS meta? So, I mean, TTS at this point has just been mathed out. Most of the players who are at the mid to high level know what a fair trade is, and if you give them something that's not a fair trade, they're just going to deny it out of hand, or they're going to say, you can do that, but there's going to be some caveats somewhere else, or you need to give up something else in return. My in-person group is not that small. The, probably the worst trade was I was playing Necrovirus, and I somehow managed to convince the Arborek player next to me to not only take Latani Warrior 2, oh, no. but to give it to me for antivirus after I took it. And she's like, oh, well, that's fantastic. I, then you're not going to take anything from me the rest of the game. Yes, because I don't need to attack you the, for the rest of the game. Oh, boy. Oh boy! Yeah. So that that kind of <laughs> highlights a little bit what it is. So one of the things that I regularly find myself struggling with in terms of TI economy is being a two commodity faction. Yes. <laughs> um, the kind of typical TI or TTS meta is that whoever controls trade will trade with you, will buy your commodities for however many that is minus one. So mm-hmm. generally, if you're a two-commodity race, that means you're getting one trade good when when trade happens. And I I always hate that. What, yes. How, how do you feel about that particular situation? So I will say it is better than debt meta because debt meta just needs to go away and stop. Oh, thank you. But I understand where it's coming from because it's, it's calculating opportunity cost into it too. So you're getting something for it. You don't control trade. You, If you want something, you've got to give something up for it. So that's what the community has decided is the fairest representation for it. Mm-hmm. Does it suck? Yes. But are you still gaining something from it? Yes. 
if TI was truly zero sum, where someone's gaining something and you have to lose it to sure. for, in order for them to gain it, I would be more wary about it. But you're both gaining something; they're just gaining something more. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunately the reality of the situation is that in this kind of game where only one person can control the trade strategy card, they're going to get bigger benefit out of it. But the I, the hope is that okay, they gain this at a trade, but I'm going to gain something out of it instead that's going to benefit me more than it's going to benefit them. So, like, for instance, this is the hot topic for some reason, and I don't know why. If you're Arborek, and you really need that extra trade good for Starween tools, what are you going to give up for it? Are you going to be okay just getting one commodity or two commodities, or one trade good or two trade goods back for your stuff because you don't control trade? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's give and take at this point but it's fair and I understand it but it doesn't mean I'm going to be happy about it when I don't have trade <laughs> I think the next time I play a two commodity faction I'm going to offer my political secret for an even trade instead and see what happens I don't know okay, if that's so good you know that meme you know that meme where that kid is looking at a paper of paper and he goes oh wow this is worthless someone's going to tell you that at some point I mean, I feel like there are times when political secret can hit you really hard. Oh, there are. 100%. Like, if mutiny comes up, you can get screwed with that <laughs> very badly. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it could work. But Plus, I, I know a lot of players who would go, no. no, 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 no. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's fair. But I think it's, I think it's worth a try to... to get your full commodities worth of value from yeah. trade at least i mean the once. worst that someone says is no right yeah because like i at least in the past i have frequently just said no to two for one trades as a two commodity mm-hmm. faction because i just don't feel like most of the time getting one trade good is worth giving the other person one more trade good that's fair but there, like you, like you mentioned, there are times when you really need that extra trade good. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's very specific factions who need it too. Like Arborek, for instance, when you want either that first trade or that first tech, or to use warfare in a way that'll get you more um, planets mm-hmm. on your first round, or like Winu, who's just let's not talk about Winu. Um, <laughs> Well, they're, I when mean, those two, a, those two mm. are both three commodity factions, so they have it a little bit better than, like, they do. Barony or L1Z1X or... Uh, That's fair, yeah. but I also argue that Barony and L1Z1, especially after watching this tournament, don't really need all the help that people can give them. Yeah. Yeah. So, they can live with just one. Like, Lizix gets gets messed up with tech, because you're either somehow managing to get four trade goods or a di- a weird diplo round one or you're mm-hmm. wasting that extra resource barony sure. doesn't have that problem they just throw arc prime down and it's fine yeah yeah i, I was actually surprised by how well barony did in this tournament i was really happy yeah. about it because I-, I like barony a lot so it was nice to mm-hmm. see them perform really well yeah i mean we were talking about it i think it was it was either yesterday or today just how strong armada is yeah, compared it's... to a lot of other faction uh, abilities, like Armada is really good. Yeah, it's it's super flexible and, and really allows mm-hmm. to do to to have a, a much stronger round two than most factions get. Oh yeah, and like I think Matt and Hunter have brought it up. Like more and more, we see that round one doesn't matter as much. It's yeah. round two, and when you can target your swing round, that will determine. Well, that and your secret objectives, because sure. we all have those games where we've been messed up on secret objectives. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Armada is just so good. The second you can switch those two tokens out of Fleet Supply into anywhere else, and then also get the additional two tokens yep. at the beginning, at the end of round one, so good. Yeah. Uh, so, Billy, what would you say is the biggest challenge you typically face in a game of TI? Hey, so remember when I said I don't think very often because I run on autopilot? <laughs> it's thinking. Um, I have found myself a lot. I guess part of it's because of who I play with in person where there is a huge disparity in experience level where I know what I'm going to do on round 
two, round three with a given faction. I can do it pretty much on autopilot, spend the rest of the time talking and negotiating. When I play on TTS, I play the same way and don't actually think. I have done stupid things many times, and it I need to think and stop doing stupid stuff. <laughs> uh, would you, would you, do you think you like get distracted because you're at a computer versus like sitting in front of your friends? No, not at all. It's just I've I've learned a lot um, when it comes to gaming. There are just times when I'm not sitting there trying trying to look at every possible outcome. Mm-hmm. Like when I was watching the finals, for instance, and just listening to Ginger talk out every possible like every possible move. What's gonna happen here? What's gonna happen there? Like if he does this, what's that? It's like Okay. I didn't think about any of that. I just put my command counter down and said I'm moving these guys in there and just went on with my day. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I, I I think there's <laughs> some middle ground to find there. I think that most yeah. of the time you don't really have to think through every single thing that's going to happen until like once the last round or two hit, then maybe you have to be paying a little yeah. more attention and, and being a little bit more careful but like like one game specifically comes to mind and i promise for all of your listeners the only games i the games i remember are not only games i played with you i promise that's (laughs) not the case but it was the game that we were playing i want to say it was like seven or eight months ago where i was nalu and got eliminated because i just overextended myself i went for an easy point i'm like no one else is getting mech i'll take mech at all that's a point awesome wait, I'm Nalu and I have no plastic on the board and there's three war factions on this board and I'm just going to die right now. <laughs> Man, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, I remember that game. That was not a fun game for me. And you wouldn't even eliminate me. Like, literally, I had one ground force on one planet and I just said, please eliminate me. And everyone's like, ah, you can just uh, get diplomacy every turn. That's fine. Oh, man. I've, I've been in situations like that. I remember one game playing Winu because I was feeling spunky, I guess. I don't know. And I had like, <laughs> I ended up with uh, the gravity rift between me and Mechatol Rex. And I was like, mm-hmm. eh, screw it. I'll go for it. And I went for it. And, yeah. and I lost. And then I was like, I think I had Mentac to one side and Necro on the other. And I was like, guys, please just destroy me. I, I need to go cry myself to sleep. I can't handle this. And they didn't. <laughs> They, like, I played through the entire game somehow, and they both gave me their faction promissory notes out of pity. And it was just, like, it ended up being such a weird game. Yeah, that, those, ooh, those games happen way too often for my liking. Like, just (laughs) spectating some games on the TTS Discord, it's, ooh. Yeah. (laughs) What happened here? Uh, So how do you approach planning out a round? So when I'm actually trying and actually thinking and on my game, first thing I always do is I identify at least one, if not two different objectives I'm going for. I try to make sure that there's something that I can score every turn. Like, for instance, if I'm playing Hakan and it's all spending, well, I'm going to make sure I can at least spend one of them. And I'm going to try to do it in such a way that even if I lose planets, I can still score it. So Hakan, that's easy. You know, you just make sure you have trade goods. Um... I want to make sure that I'm defended as best as possible and can and I will identify especially as the strategy round their strategy phase is going on who's picking what and how that's going to affect my token supply. So I always I try to take at least one or two into strategy every turn because I want to make sure that I can do some sort of secondaries because I know there's going to be something that I that pops up that I need to go oh I need to respond to this sure. or oh, I need to... My A plan didn't work, so let's go to B plan. Um, If I need to take someone out, like if I need to take a system, or someone has decided that their entire game is mutually assured destruction, okay, then I find a way to try to deal with that. So, for instance, there was one game where I was playing Hakan, and my neighbor, who I believe was Sardak, got into a war with Raptor and 
all they did for the rest of the game, despite Raptor multiple times trying to tell this guy to stop fighting him because Hakan would win. Just kept fighting. That's all they did. So I decided early on in that round, okay, well, that's fine. So I'm going to find a way to fund both of the sides of this war. If they're going to keep fighting each other, I'm going to make money off of it. I can, and it did. I can hear Raptor's voice in my head. Yes, yeah. so can I. That's yeah. the greatest part, yeah. is I can just hear Raptor going, you need to stop fighting me or Hakan's going to win. His, like, yeah. exasperation and despair mixed mm-hmm. into one. Yeah. Yeah, I- sorry, Raptor. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm bringing this up, but, yeah, that happened. <laughs> um, so, realistically, all of my plan, like, I try to do all my planning, like, when I'm on my game, do all the planning up front, make sure I know exactly what I want to do, mm-hmm. but have some sort of backup plan, because inevitably, it's T.I., something's going to go wrong and I'm going to need to adjust on the fly and I need to make sure I'm as flexible as possible. So I think one of the things that frequently goes wrong is uh, having a control objective come up. How aggressive do you tend to be when you go for those control objectives? Too aggressive sometimes. (laughs) I will be aggressive if I have to be. I don't like being aggressive because I like... my, My favorite races are either Hakan or like... I really like Exha, and I don't know why. And despite me trying to make this meme build of the Blastoise build an actual thing, I've played it exactly twice and don't typically play Exha that way. <laughs> but I like being more defensive as much as possible, but I will put forth the aggression if I have to, because, again, like I said at the very beginning of this, TI is the game where I play to win. I don't play to have fun. Fun for me is winning. I just happen to be really bad at it sometimes. <laughs> as long as you enjoy the journey, I guess. Exactly. Um, so moving on, there there is at least one thing for which you are infamous, and this is another game uh-huh. that you and I that you and I played together way back in the day. This was actually a long time ago, all things considered, like relative to yeah. This other game things. was over a year ago at this point. Yeah. Um, Tell us, tell us about the great massacre of Nestafar. Okay, so anyone here who's listening to this who hasn't heard this story, I'm sorry, you need to come onto the Spacecast uh, Discord because this gets told at least once a month because I can't stop talking about it. Um, so there's a game where I'm playing the Federation of Soul. And I've identified really quickly that I can get an early round to hypermetabolism if I just take Starpoint and New Albion. To do that, I need Gravity Drive. Because it's it's um, adjacent to my neighbor's home system. First round goes as you'd normally expect, um, but politics gets played first. Like, leadership happens, and then immediately politics gets happened. And I draw Plague. Now, Billy... Trade gets popped. B- Billy, is Plague... A good action card? Oh, Plague is a fantastic action card. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And everyone should be able to draw it on command. There should be no question about that. If you need Plague, you should get Plague. Just just get it. Like, just take it. Yeah, just get it. Like, come on. I don't understand what's so hard about this. Just get <laughs> Plague. So, pol- uh, trade happens. And trade's being played by the Arborek player. Now, I won't identify who the player was, because you will see why in a second. Um... But all four of their ground forces are on Nestfar. Comes back around to me. I think I had, I want to say I had uh, construction at that point because I didn't have any, like, I was able to go in between them. But Pollux comes around, or it comes around again and it comes to my turn. And all four of the ground forces are still on Nestfar. Now, it's important to note at this point, the Arbrick player is already not having a good time. We did um, a bag draft for it, and I can't remember. I think it's the Mantis setup when you do, like, the one closest to Mechatol, and then you randomly pick, and you keep doing it. I don't think that and that we, was... I don't think that was a thing yet. I think it was... Okay. It, it might have been bag draft, but I think we were still just placing them as normal. Okay. All I remember is that the home slice for Arborek had two asteroid fields in it. And it was not particularly good for the Arborek player. So when it gets to my turn and I play Plague and kill three-fourths of its infantry on Nestfar, the Arborek player understandably 
no longer plays the game and just leaves. Yeah, that's that's brutal for anyone, any faction, but especially yes. especially the Arbrek. Ugh. Yes, because like if anyone else, oh, okay, fine. If you want to be like this, you can do that. It's not going to ruin my game. It's just going to set me back a turn. Arborek now has exactly one ground force they can build another ground force with until the be- until the strategy phase when mitosis comes in. Yep, that so if you, rough. Yeah. So if you ever wonder why people put their units into space instead of on the planet at the beginning of the game, it's because I plagued Nestfar and killed three-fourths of an Arborex units. Yep. That that one incident literally shaped an entire meta. Yeah. It's like And I'm way every, too proud of it. Almost every experienced like veteran TI player on TTS leaves some of their ground forces in space now. Yeah. Yeah. And like it came up in the finals game. Yep. Where they all did it. Yep. Every one of them did it. And Matt and Hunter are like, oh yeah, because you can plague them all first thing. It's like the odds of it happening are really low, but when it happens, it's devastating. It's, it's so brutal because that that first is. round is so important that like if you get crippled before you can even really take an action, then mm-hmm. being a full round behind the rest of the table, you're you're not going to win. You don't have a shot. You just don't. Yeah. Nope. Not at all. Billy, the sorry again. <laughs> Sorry again about that. I don't. I don't remember who that was, but I feel like that they're gonna hold that grudge to their grave. Oh, they actually don't. They forgot all about it until I brought it up one day, and they're like, "Oh, that was you." I remember being so angry with you that day, and then forgot about it. I I would never. Yeah. I would never let it go. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I know you wouldn't. Uh, the other reason you're well known in the ti community is because you like to build maps and make people play on them and sometimes they're kind of crazy so i want to talk about maps i would like to start off by saying i have never made anyone made anyone play on the maps Uh, if ej would like to complain about that he can go to matt and talk to him because matt asked me to (laughs) and he knew what he was getting into and that's matt's fault how i didn't make anyone do anything how did this this whole thing start Okay, so I want to say it was the first Holiday Spectacular. Mm -hmm. He asked a bunch of the patrons if they would build a map. And I was like, okay, I can help with that. So I tried to organize a bunch of people getting together and making a map. And exactly no one showed up. Except me. So I built a map, and they used it. Then the second one comes up, and I want to say it's the second one. It might have been. I don't. How many have they had? They had three already. Um, I, don't I, know. I think I, I, they haven't all been holiday spectaculars, but there have been some like other events that they've done where they. Yeah. The, the first one may not have been a holiday spectacular, but the one that really started all of it was a holiday spectacular, where Matt had the great idea of playing two TTS games or two TI games in one day. The first one being a normal game, and the second one being absolute wrought chaos. And he asked me very, he asked me, and I guess at that point it was Space Kitty Chat. He just goes, Billy, can you make the craziest map you can think of? And I had been working on a couple ideas, and I gave him two ideas. And I was actually sitting in a Panera Bread when I sent both to him. Because I remember being at dinner with my wife and just getting a message from Matt going, Billy, where's the map? And I'm like, oh, I did not send you these. So the first map I set up was a three galaxy map. So if anyone's played TI3, there were a couple, once the expansions came out, there were enough tiles to build multiple galaxies. So like you could have a smaller galaxy with Megatol Rex and the larger galaxy with everything else. Mm-hmm. So that first map, um, it essentially was three galaxies. So first galaxy and the third galaxy were three players each. And in the middle of the galaxy, so it was like two ranks. And then the center was a wormhole. And then the third galaxy was the good side of both wormholes and mech. And Matt goes, okay, that sounds like a, that, that sounds like it could be fun, but I want something with more conflict. So I built the map that I now call the Dogs of War because I have this problem with naming everything after the West Wing. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin, I'm not making any money off of your stuff. Please don't come after me. 
I promise there's no money involved. I want so you know, you know sorry to interrupt, but this is a thought that just needs to be said. I I want Eric Sor- Aaron Sorkin to write a show about board gamers. I would love that. That would be the greatest thing ever. I would watch that so much. Like, just imagine mm. how otherworldly his dialogue already kind of seems, and how like impossible. Yes. And then apply that to board gamers, and, and try to Ooh. try to imagine them being as smooth and suave and witty. And it's just I'm just imagining like West Wing and newsroom characters and Sports Night characters for that point, for that matter. Just as board gamers and it makes me really happy so thank you I, so much for this now, because i know it will never happen it would be great to have like D players be that oh yeah on on the on the spot oh yeah oh yeah so the map that ended up getting me into all of this called the dogs of war so the idea is is that the best six best Six systems all sit around Mechatol Rex. Nah, that's not that weird. Like People have done that all the time. In the equidistant spot of the second ring is not planets. Well, it is planets, but it's the home systems. So now everyone's one system apart from each other. There are two systems from Mechatol Rex. The rest of the second ring is either wormholes or blank space. And then all the tech skips are on the outside. And I believe the exact words, and this is the first time Matt ever told me this, were, Billy, you monster. <laughs> and that's become kind be- of a, a mantra ever since. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> this, this is what started the whole Billy, you monster thing. Um, so they do the first game with the Holiday Spectacular. And Matt hasn't told anyone other than himself because obviously I would like to think that Matt can talk to himself, that what the second map is. And I get a message from Matt telling him that, telling me that EJ isn't really thrilled with the map. <laughs> and then the, episode, the game happens, and it's just chaos, because not only did they use this crazy map that by itself would have been crazy, but they use all the viewer agendas. Yeah. They use and they like, were already like 10 hours into their day. Yeah. So how they just didn't give up immediately is beyond me and props to them for continuing through this slugfest of chaos. <laughs> but that's kind of what started it. From there, um a lot of people had started this is around the time when a lot of people had started expressing hey, we need more content, we've played the game so many times, we need something else to do. So Magi, ironically, usually all of my bad thoughts come from either Magi or EJ, posted, hey, Billy, um, why don't you just make a map every month and we'll play on it and critique what you've done? So I posted it to the the TI Discord, or not Discord, uh, subreddit, and surprisingly... People were like, yeah, that's awesome. That's a great idea. So I decided to create Chaotic Cartography after a nickname that, you know, Hunter made me make for myself. (laughs) Uh, The Cartographer of Chaos. So I haven't done it for a couple of months because I'm stuck on this one map and then just haven't been into TI recently. But next week there will be six maps out so everyone will get six months worth of content. Um where I've just been coming up with different ideas. Like, for instance, one of them, probably the one I'm most proud of, is called Privateers, where it's a five-player map, which is a game size that needs attention. Like, I think five-player, ironically, or honestly, is probably the most interesting creative space for me because it's the one, like, six-player everyone knows. Four-player and three-player get a lot of flack, but you can have more fun with certain things. Because you get two strategy cards. Sure. Five player, you don't. You get, there's downsides, but there's also upsides to it too. So I created a five player map called Privateers, and it's what I call a scenario map. So there's actually kind of a rudimentary AI built into it as well, too, where in the hyperlanes sits Mole Primus, 
And at the beginning of every strategy phase, the Mentak player sends out eight cruisers. And if there are cruisers on the board, they just stay there and they just replenish to eight. So that everyone is always in contact with this AI Mentak player. And they have to deal with this AI player stealing money from them all the time because the rules for pillage and ambush still work for it. So it just gives another idea of like, okay, we're playing a normal TI game, but now we've got this other thing we've got to deal with because this jerk made this map where things are just stealing money from me. I so, yeah. I already hate five-player games, and that would make me exactly. never play it. <laughs> okay, well then just don't play in my map, man. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you things that you can have for fun, not for hating yourself and hating the game. Like, it's not what I create. Um, but another map I'm kind of famous for is getting for life space kitty episode he really wanted to stick it to hunter so he made hunter play a four player he made hunter play mua he made hunter play 14 points and then he decided because i jokingly said hey do you want me to set up everything else and he's like yeah that sounds like a great idea just go hog wild so i created a four player map with hyperlanes and made all of them play the worst four factions. And then had fun giving them just two tech skips and not really much else. Mm-hmm. And then Matt once again said, you monster, I'm not playing on this map, and made me redesign it. But I still used it for my chaotic cartography because it's fun. <laughs> I, I do remember that game. And you like you kind of tailored each slice to the faction that was being played there, Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah, so... The idea was that if I was going to make you play, if I was going to make them play this hellish nightmare game, I had to give them something to entice them to actually want to play. So I gave them the two tech skips that I figured they would want the most. So because it's Winu, Arborek, Muat, and Sardak, Muat gets both red skips right out the bat. So you can get a very early prototype War Sun 2. Winu gets both yellow skips, so if you want turn one, there's hegemonic trade policy. Sardak gets both blue skips, so you're immediately able to get grav drive. You're immediately able to get, or not immediately, but very close, able to get exotrireme two. Mm-hmm. And that left Arborek with both green skips. That's Latani Warrior two without trying. Yep. Plus... And Hunter didn't think about this, but that's fine. Uh, Hunter's main... uh, The other thing I gave them was I picked their first round strategy card, and I gave them everything they would want to begin with. Winu gets Warfare, and he also got a Grav Rift, too. So if he wanted to get Mechatol round one, there it is. Have fun. When um, Sardak Nor gets tech. They have no tech. Now they have two tech. Awesome. Now they're caught up with everybody. Um, Arborek gets trade if you want trade round or if you want uh, Sarween tools round one there's your extra trade good and then Muwak gets leadership they've got an ability to create things with command counters like couple that with the massive amount of influence you have with Aaron and Mir and Mehar Zul because of the red skips you are swimming in command counters and able to do whatever you want on the board mm-hmm. so yeah I try to have fun with it a little bit I, I'm always kind of caught in the middle about my opinions on maps. So I want to want to talk about map theory for a little while. Sure. Um, I, I've kind of always been of the opinion that a map should be basically as balanced as possible before you before okay. before starting a game of, of TI. And and I've encountered a lot of people, especially people who've played a lot. And and that's this is fair. Who think that um, having weirder maps or more challenging maps is more fun for them? Where where do okay. you sit on that kind of spectrum? Uh, I think you know the answer to that question. I like the more challenging and weird maps. Um, now, with that being said, there is a caveat to that. It depends on what your reason you're playing. Sure. If you're playing, like for instance, a non-draft tournament, I don't know why you'd do that, but let's say you're doing that, then yes, it needs to be as balanced as humanly possible, or at least it needs to be balanced with respect to the rules of the tournament, how things are selected as such, because you're trying to make it as even as possible. Mm -hmm. 
You're trying to make it as competitive as possible. Right. That's fine. Sure. Otherwise, balanced maps to me are somewhat boring because if it's balanced, then everyone can do pretty much the same thing. And then you're just relying on your home system and your abilities for that. I'd rather be in a situation where I can, if I know what, if I'm playing an unbalanced map, for instance, and or creating one for that matter, and I, when I create maps, I look at what factions would be good for that slice. I want to create something where someone goes, you know, they have no resources whatsoever. So maybe I just throw Barony in there or Hakan in there or Jolnar in there to counterbalance that. Give me, like, to give them something give and take. Sure. So, uh, I like... No, go ahead. So, like, I like, in the games that I play, I like tailoring my selections to what I'm playing or tailoring my race selections to where I'm sitting. Like, I, I mean, at this point, everyone who's on the TTS community, for the most part, knows every race, knows what they can do, and knows basically how to play them. Maybe not every little intricacy, every little trick that they have. Mm -hmm. They may not know all of them, but for the most part, they can be decently competitive with them. So my my counter-argument is that I think a lot of games that get played are games that include new players. Uh, okay. And that's... That's a lot. I say that counting games that don't happen on on our little TI TTS Discord. Understandable. So I, I think many of those games are, at, at, as you said at this point, veterans. But we are also growing pretty rapidly, especially during this time with uh, the coronavirus and everything. People mm-hmm. are looking for more ways to spend their time. So we are ending up with a lot more new players or people who have only played a couple games and maybe don't know all the factions very well. And I think that for the average TI player who gets to play a game maybe a couple times a year with their pals, it is better for them to have balanced starting points so that everybody is on an even level um, when the game starts. Because I think that if your game is already going to be extremely challenging from the get-go before you've even really made decisions, it's going to severely impact how much fun you actually end up having with the game. Not even counting your chance to win, just like being stuck in a terrible slice when you you have to sit there for eight hours is going to often lead to a really bad time when you don't know all the different ways you can mitigate those negative factors in your slice. Yeah, I get that. And that's why my caveat was it depends on how you're playing. So if it is for a bunch of new players, or even for some new players, I'll make sure that the maps are tailored to those kind of players. So for instance, with my in-person group, whenever we do a random map, I make sure that all six of the best slices, or all six of the best systems are in each different pile. So, like, no person gets both mm-hmm. New Albion, Starpoint, and Barrack Lord of Four. Sure. All six of them are spread out, so each person gets one. And we always try to make it, like, myself and the other person who's a little bit more, who's more experienced, and who's actually the reason I got a TI. Um, we'll make sure that we give ourselves the worst slices in the most creative way possible, which is called the Billy's Mom Method. Um, I'll explain that in a second Um, so that we're giving ourselves a handicap for it too because I agree with that I agree that if it's a new if there are new players playing especially the veterans need to be more cognizant of we're trying to make this we're trying to make everyone have fun and we're trying to grow a community of a very niche board game that as you said has takes eight hours and has a reputation behind it Mm -hmm of taking forever, let's make it as enjoyable as possible. Now, if I'm playing a game with you, Magi, Brian, Raptor, Yin for Life, I'm going to make it as unbalanced as humanly possible because that's going to be more fun for the six of us. Well, maybe for the five of us and not you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that's going to be an entirely different map, an entirely different creation, an entirely different like perspective for me as a map maker than a game with two new players, two players who have played maybe five or ten times, and then two people of like my level of games. So yeah. Now, I've brought up the Billy's mom method, and I have to explain this now. It's not actually that creative. Um, so every time I set up a map, what we'll do is we'll make the map entirely. Then I'll make my mom come over, because we always play at my parents' house, because they're the only ones that I know that have a big enough table to sit everything on. And I'll hand her the six systems and say, place these wherever you want. I won't tell you who's playing what. Because the one time I did, she made sure to count numbers and give me the lowest amount of numbers. <laughs> and then moved a, st- a tile somewhere else. Because she's like, I don't want you to have an easy time with this. So, yes. Sounds like a good mom. That's the Billy's mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is the worst system? What is the worst system in the game? That has a planet in it. Uh, can I make a joke answer and then a real answer? Please. All right. So I'm going to argue that the joke answer is um, Aaron and Mir. Only because until the April Fool's Day, um, the April Fool's Day enhancements to X89 and Majin, um, other than the influence, it wasn't really worth anything. And. I just don't like Aaron and Mir. Interesting. What's the worst system? I'm going to say it's Theba because my April map is literally every map space is covered with Theba and it's called Hodor because <laughs> I just decided I wanted to be really mean and make a map of Thibas. So yeah, that is Theba. I don't like Theba. Theba sucks. All right. What is the worst two planet system and why is it Ar- Arnor lore? <sighs> It's Arnor lore because you know more about the game than I do, and I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, no, nah, it actually probably is Arnor lore, to be completely honest. Why do you not like Arnor lore? Uh, I just hate how inefficient it is. Having That's fair. Like, you're, you're always wasting two influence and two resources, it feels like. All right, then what's the best two, what's the best two planet system? Because I guarantee you we have a different idea of this. Um, I'm actually a really big fan of Torcan Tekuron, the 2003 system. Okay. I, I, Why? I just find it super efficient. Even over like New Albion Starpoint? Yeah, because no one's going to target your 2 0 system with all the action cards that exhaust uh, resource planets. All right, that's fair. I like New Albion Starpoint personally. I was honestly thinking you were going to go for the answer of Abyss Freya, but that's fair. Yeah, I mean, Abyss Freya is great, obviously. So long as we agree it's not Barrigler to four, despite it having the most raw numbers, it's just inefficient yeah, compared again, to the other. Against that inefficiency. Although yeah. the one thing to be said for you know Barrigler to four and Abysfria and even Arnor Lore is at least it's two planets of the same trait, which can sometimes yes. be quite valuable. Yes, that is very valuable. And yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I agree. Alright. I think we're gonna go into a round of some rapid fire questions. Feel free to not think I, too hard about the answers. Oh, good. So just play TI, Billy. Got it. <laughs> um, the first question on this list you've already answered, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, what is your favorite TI faction, Billy? The Emirates of Akan. Second favorite is ironically the Arborek. <laughs> <laughs> what is your least favorite TI faction? Sardak Nor. What faction do you hate playing against the most? Mentat Coalition. Hmm. All right, and, and leaving behind the world of TI to get to know Billy a little bit. What? Yay! And and a quick reminder because I didn't tell you, I didn't say this at the top, but just remember that this is a PG thirteen show. I have <laughs> been very good about not cursing. Yeah, good job. Uh, anyway, with that lead up, the question is: What is your favorite word? Oh God! Really? All right. My favorite word is defenestration. Please define that. To throw something or someone out of a window. <laughs> Have you ever performed that action before? No, that's illegal. 
Look, I may be a monster in game, but I'm not a criminal <laughs> yet. Oh, Billy, what is your least favorite word? Uh, my least favorite word. Oh man! All right, my PG thirteen least favorite word is probably yup. Even though I say it quite often. Yep. Yep. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> What sound or noise do you love? I love the cooling, refreshing sound of a waterfall. What sound or noise do you hate? The sound of someone chewing very badly. <laughs> what profession other than your other than your own would you like to attempt? So if I was able to attempt anything, I would be a sports analyst in uh, hockey. Awesome. What profession would you not like to do? Banking. <laughs> I was afraid that would be your answer. <laughs> yeah, I figured it was. But yeah, what I do currently is what I would not like to never do ever again. Uh, and finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Huh. That the Colorado Avalanche are the best ice hockey team in the world and that the Minnesota Wild don't deserve to exist anymore. <laughs> All right. That's, I guess that would be some nice validation for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. It would be very good validation. All right. Well, Billy, thank you for spending an hour with me talking about Twilight Imperium. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is a pleasure, as always. The fire's nearly out, and you probably need a refill. Thanks for listening from Matt Martins, Hunter Donaldson, and myself, Alec Keeler. I hope you had a cozy time, and I'll see you again for the next one. Thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music, which you can find more of at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com.